Come on, let's really clap unto the Lord. Come on, why don't you close your eyes and lift your voice as you clap your hands unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, he's worthy of that and then some more. We ought to really give him some praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you tonight. Certainly a very distinct honor and privilege to be here at Summit 2017 and to be in the presence of such wonderful people. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Mayo tonight and the Cornerstone Church. They are excellent in all that they do. They are tremendous hosts and we appreciate them opening their doors and providing this venue for us to come and be blessed. It is a very distinct honor tonight to have the man whom I love more than any other here, and that is my pastor, who is really responsible for who I am today, and I appreciate my man of God, and I appreciate his willingness to take a chance on somebody who didn't have nothing to offer. And if you have a man of God like that, you are to be loyal to him, faithful to him, submitted to him. That's right. To all of the ministers that are here tonight, I salute you in the name that is above every name. And then, of course, these speakers, men of God, whom I've been privileged to Uh, be a small part of what's going on this week. We have heard some tremendous Bible preaching and teaching around here already. Last night, Brother Bass started it off right. The Elizabeth connection stirred us, touched us, challenged us. And then today, Brother Bo, that was absolutely amazing. Wonderful. Stirred me, challenged me. Bishop Wilson rightly divided the word as only he can do. And uh, I heard Brother Mayo, I overheard him. I wasn't eavesdropping. He just wasn't being very quiet about it. He said, during the day, we're going to go to the depths. And then at night, we're just going to swim in the shallows. So, Brother Urshan, I don't know what that says about you and I, but here we are. <laughs> that was my interpretation. <laughs> he didn't say it like that. He said, you are already getting in trouble. I said, during the day, we're going to go to the depths, and at night, we're going to go to the heights. You know... Same difference. No. I absolutely love the Mayo family. And if y'all had known how much he's picked on me already since I've been here, you you just can't believe.
Well, yeah, you that know him, you can believe. <laughs> but I tell you, I give honor to my family tonight. And uh, they're listening via Holy Ghost Radio. Wish they could be here. And my two youngest children, Brent, who is 10, and Annabelle, who is 8, uh, I've wept a little bit this afternoon and rejoiced and have been so proud. My sister sent me a, a text message, and they were on a van that we use to pick up people for church, and they were headed to a uh, little chicken strip shop to teach a Bible study, had a van load and uh, my children was a part of teaching their first Bible study. And there are six to be baptized when we get home Sunday morning because of that Bible study. And so, Bella and Brant, I am so proud of you. Give honor to the wonderful church that I pastor. And they are so good to my family and I. And I certainly give double honor to the man who entrusted me with them. But Lyle, his precious wife, their family labored faithfully for 42 years and then uh, allowed my family and I to come and continue on. And so I give honor tonight to them. I have asked by permission for uh, some of the young men that are here tonight to join me if you'd come. Uh, it wasn't, if we overlooked somebody, it wasn't intentionally. I did ask Brother Mayo permission to do this, and these guys have no idea what they're getting into, and so y'all pray for them tonight, but I want them up here with me. They're not guinea pigs. They're not uh, buying into something that's crazy and far out there, but maybe in the next few minutes we can make some sense of why I asked them to come. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. And I want to read some verses of scriptures in the very last chapter, the 34th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. And then I want to read one verse of scripture in the first chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. I have felt this so very strong, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a word from God that he has put on my heart. Uh, woke up this morning and again was so burdened with this and just things even this past week uh, that have happened that I do not believe are coincidental. Uh, one of those, and I do not say this for you to pity me, but... It was about this exact time in the central time zone four years ago that I received one of the worst calls I've ever received in my life. And a frantic voice on the other end was telling me that my father had been killed in a motorcycle accident, ushered off into eternity, and uh, it just set my world spinning and then not even knowing and just by way of telling me to be careful uh, my good pastor understanding the time we was leaving Wednesday morning he said y'all be careful 
you're not too young to die. And so uh, God has put this on my heart. I ask you to just allow me the liberty to do my best to articulate it to you the way that God has given it to me. Uh, I'm not here to in any way disrespect, uh, come across arrogant, like I have the answers, know the answers, and the one that the answers should be sought from. But in much prayer and in much fasting, I believe God has sent me here to help in a very specific and in my very humble opinion, a very needed area in Pentecost today. It was the very last days of Moses Bible says in the 34th chapter that Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo. Everybody say unto the mountain. This was not Moses' first trip up a mountain. Mountain was where Moses would connect with God and receive things from God and see God in his power. And here in the closing Hours, the sunset of his life, again we see him going from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo. He looks out across there, and in verse number 4, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, This is the land. Everybody say, This is the land. This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. And then he tells Moses, I've caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. Verse number 7, And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. And I want you to notice this. His eye, everybody say his eye. Or his vision. His eye was not dim. His ability to see, his ability to grasp what God was showing him and wanting him to understand, his eye was not dim. Verse number 9, and Joshua the son of Nun was full. Everybody shout full. Full. Here is the next generation. Joshua the son of Nun was full. Full of the spirit of wisdom. And then we see why. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him. And did as the Lord commanded Moses. Ecclesiastes the first chapter. The fourth verse. Ecclesiastes chapter number one, the words of the preacher. He said it like this One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. 
I want to minister tonight if God would help me, and I know that he will. I feel him so strong even right now. I want to minister not to my generation tonight, but if you would allow me the liberty, I want to minister on behalf of my generation tonight. I don't want to minister tonight as a preacher preaching to other preachers. That's not what I've been called to do. I don't even want to minister as a preacher ministering and preaching to saints. But what my prayer is tonight is that all of us would take off the different hats that we wear and we would just forget about the positions that we hold regardless of what those positions may be and that we would as just the people of God Allow God to talk to us and speak into our lives. And if God would help me tonight, on behalf of my generation, I would like to preach to you from this very elementary thought. Before you go, there's some things you should know. Before that you go, there are some things you should know. Would you just close your eyes and ask God that he would help us right now? God, I feel your presence. I feel a peace. I feel the strength and the help of the Holy Ghost. I pray that you would move me out of the way. I need your help even right now. I pray that you would strengthen me. I pray that you would help me articulate this the way in which it is meant to be said. God, you're wanting to really help and strengthen and work in some areas tonight that are uncomfortable at times for us to talk about and deal with. But if your presence would come and bring perfect peace and understanding and help into this house, great things can be accomplished. If you're going to allow God to speak to you tonight, why don't you put your hands together one more time and let's praise Him and thank Him. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I love to talk about Moses. I love to preach about Moses. I love to teach about Moses. I I love to study and learn about Moses. He is probably one of the most uh, favorite Bible characters that I personally have that's found In the Word of God. I I like to study and read about his life and what brought him even to the forefront of history and what ushered him on the pages of Holy Writ. I I like to to study how uh, things were transpiring and taking place uh, while Moses was being hid in the bulrushes and then learning and growing and being educated in Pharaoh's house and then going to school in the wilderness and then coming back again, being the deliverer and the leader of God's people. I think that you would be hard-pressed to find a better example of a true God-sent leader in all of the Bible Then when you read and you study about this man named 
Moses. He was a man that had insight and wisdom. He was a man that had revelation and understanding. He was a man that God had spoke to and used for such a time as he was living and for the people in whom he was dwelling with. I think it's important that we understand that what brings him front and center is Israel has finally reached the place due to their land of provision becoming a prison because they had quit pursuing the promises of God and that because God had allowed a Pharaoh that remembered and knew not Joseph to come and they had been taken from people of prominence in a land that God had placed them in in order to provide and they become slaves and they become under the cruelty and hardship of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They were building houses that they would not live in. They were digging wells from which they could not drink. They were planting vineyards from which they would not be allowed to eat from. And all of a sudden, they, they get back down to business and they begin to cry out. They begin to have a prayer meeting all over again. And they begin to seek once again the sure promises of God. And it was during this setting that, that God speaks to a man and things begin to transpire. We, we read how that Moses, he, he has a very unique place in scripture. He, he starts off his life in hiding and, and he is seemingly in obscurity. We know that he is anointed. We know that he has a call. We know that the hand of God is upon his life, yet he is not ushered into a pulpit. He is not made overseer of a congregation, but he is rather hid so that he can be protected until he is prepared for that which he has been called to do. I think it's a very dangerous thing when God anoints and calls a young man. And I said I was preaching on behalf of my generation. But let me just for a moment preach to my generation. It's a very dangerous thing when God calls a young man or a young lady. Puts his hand upon them. It begins to be recognized by others. They survive things that are making casualties out of those around them. And they are unwilling to let God hide them until they are prepared for what God has called them to do. You need to understand that God does not hide what he's against. God hides what he loves. If you are a young man or you're a young lady tonight... And the enemy is causing feelings of frustration to come over you and aggravation. And you feel like that you're being overlooked and that doors are not opening that you think should have opened up. You do not need to shake your fist and curse at God. Rather, you need to lift your hands in thanksgiving, recognizing that God hides what he loves. Sometimes it's in the bulrushes. Sometimes uh, it's in a severe trial. It's on the backside of a desert. But if you'll just let God hide you, uh, God will prepare you. Uh, and in God's own time, uh, he will raise you up as the man, the lady that he has called you to be. 
One of the most dangerous things that could ever happen to an individual is they come out of hiding too soon. Uh, Moses was in hiding uh, not because he wasn't called, uh, but because the enemy was trying to abort everything uh, that had the potential to lead God's people out of captivity. Uh, if you're in hiding tonight, it's not because you hadn't been called. Uh, it's not because you hadn't been anointed. Uh, it's just because you're not ready to do that which God has called you to do. Uh, and if you slip to the pulpit too soon, uh, you'll get yourself in a position uh, where you'll be aborted before your mission uh, can be fulfilled. Uh, if you are in hiding tonight, uh, you need to embrace those bulrushes. Uh, you need to embrace that wilderness. Uh, you need to stay at the feet of your man of God. Uh, you need to stay under the covering uh, of the prayer warriors in your local assembly uh, and say, God, uh, don't give me anything uh, until I'm ready and prepared. <laughs> Moses is a man that, that, that he just, he really in his day and really up until today has no equals. And, and you and I, we, we get to see it all unfold and we get to ride the roller coaster with him. And we, we, we have the privilege being on this side of his life and looking back upon it. We, we get to see and we shout, we preach, we get excited about times and days in his life uh, when he would refuse to be called the son uh, of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer the affliction uh, with the people of God. Uh, we get to see him uh, as he takes matters into his own hands and he gets ahead of the mission and ahead of God's timing and not realizing that this is all still a part of the plan. We get to run with him uh, to that desert, that place uh, of learning. We get to see Moses doesn't really know what's going on, but you and I have the privilege of, of, of just cheering him on uh, like the man in the balcony uh, because we know that the wilderness uh, is not the place uh, that is going to end it all for Moses. Uh, but God is having to see uh, if Moses will first learn and embrace uh, that which he is going to be called to lead through. Uh, Moses, he didn't understand uh, when God speaks to him out of that burning bush. Uh, all of a sudden, God speaks uh, after 40 years on the backside of that wilderness uh, and says, Moses, uh, I've heard the prayers of my people. I've come down to deliver them. Uh, I am that I am has called you. Uh, now I am sending you. Uh, and Moses, he says, God, you've kind of missed it. I'm just giving you the James Wesley translation. Translation. Uh, God, you you should have done this when I had the, the abilities uh, of Pharaoh's covering. And you should have done this uh, when I had Pharaoh's power behind me. And you should have done this when I had Pharaoh's horses and Pharaoh's chariots uh, to be a part of that which we were trying to accomplish. Uh, and God, he just helps Moses understand. Uh, I didn't bring you out here to punish you, uh, but I couldn't let you stay in Pharaoh's house uh, because you wasn't leading people in Pharaoh's house. Uh, you were getting ready to lead people out of Pharaoh's house. Uh, I had to show you what it was like to learn to survive on just a little bit of nothing. Uh, I had to teach you where to find shade uh, in a hot place. Uh, I had to try to teach you how to get water to come out of a rock. Uh, I had to try to help you understand uh, that even if everything's against you, as long as I'm for you, Moses, uh, you can stretch out a step 
path. You can call on the name of the Lord. Seas will part. Armies will be drowned. Tambourines will be passed out. Because Moses, you are called by me. to shout about Moses staring down the soothsayers of Egypt. We watch him as he smites the waters and smites the dust. We watch him as he calls frogs to appear and boils break out. We watch him as darkness covers and then we see and we still preach and get excited about it as he institutes that first Passover because he had a word from God. What I'm trying to tell you tonight is Moses was not just a man. He was not just God's man. He was not just an another leader, but he was very accomplished. He was very, 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 very accomplished. We get to watch how that, that as that death angel passes over. Moses is the one uh, that had told everybody, have your shoes on, your bags packed, uh, because God spoke to me and we're getting ready to go. Uh, We watch faith soar in Israel because they now have a man that's able to hear and receive a word from God. Uh, We follow him to the Red Sea uh, and we see Moses stand uh, even when he has to stand all by himself. Uh, we, We continue to get to journey with Moses on this side of history uh, and we see how he survives rebellion uh, first in his family uh, and then in the camp uh, we see Moses how he is so favored of God the hand of God is on him in such a way uh, that when things begin to break out and serpents come it's Moses that comes with the word and a plan uh, to bring restoration uh, we get to see Moses go up on that mount uh, and the earth shake uh, and the heavens thunder uh, and lightning strike uh, and brother Mayo we get to see God with his own hand etching stone uh, things that one day uh, he would take off tables of stone uh, and put into the hearts of all mankind uh, we, we watch Moses as he is wandering seemingly uh, in the backside of nowhere uh, with millions of people behind him uh, we watch uh, as he is able to pray manna and that which would sustain them out of heaven. Uh, We watch as he's able to call for water out of the rock. Uh, We watch as he is the one that is being led by God. He follows that cloud by day, uh, that fire by night. Uh, We see how that he brings Israel closer to their promise than they had ever been. Uh, He sends out spies. Uh, Ten come back with an evil report and thank God for a Joshua and a Caleb uh, that come back saying we can well possess the land. Uh, And then we watch Moses uh, for 40 years. uh, He passes around the same mountain uh, until once again God speaks to him uh, and says, Moses, uh, you have surpassed this mountain long enough. Uh, It's time to change direction. Uh, Turn and go northward uh, because I did not just bring you out to leave you, uh, but when I bring somebody out, it's because I have something better to bring them 
them into. Uh, I've come to just talk to somebody tonight. God didn't call you out to sit complacently on a padded pew uh, and hear preaching and turn it into spectator sport and entertainment. God did not fill you full of the Holy Ghost uh, so that you could come and sit in the seat of the scornful, uh, become self-righteous uh, and the judge and the critic. Uh, God called you out because he's got something he's calling you into. Uh, he did not deliver you from the ways of world, the world uh, to just deliver you, uh, but he wanted to deliver you into the promises of God. You, you brother Urshan, you, you can point to any of these things and say, I'd like to be the man that was able to accomplish that with the help of God. Moses, he's got such a heart that even when the people of God are murmuring and complaining, and God wants to do away with them, he stands in the gap, he makes up the hedge, and says, if you're going to do it to them, you also got to do it to me. We see him that even though he is wandering in a wilderness because of doubt and unbelief, he does not begin to become ugly and belligerent to the people of God, but he steps up to the pulpit and says, let me tell you about your God. Uh, he wants to bless you coming in. Uh, and he wants to bless you going out. He wants to bless you in the city. He wants to bless you in the field. Uh, he wants to make you the lender and not the borrower. He wants to make you the head and not the tail. Let me tell you about your God. He's a God. Uh, he's a God that when your enemies come in uh, and they're unified, he'll send them out seven different directions. Uh, Moses is a man uh, that no man can stand against. Uh, Moses is a man uh, that the battle hinges uh, on whether or not his hands uh, are in the air uh, or if they're weary uh, and by his side. Moses is a man's man. Moses is not sissified, limp-wristed, scared to speak up. Moses is willing to just give it just as God gives it to him. Uh, we see the few chapters leading up how that once again with the promised land as a backdrop, Moses sits the children of Israel down again and he begins to bless them and begins to bring to remembrance all that God has done for them. And it's here that he warns them. And again, I'm preaching on behalf of my generation tonight, but just allow me to preach to us for just a few moments. Uh, he says, listen, uh, this wilderness stuff uh, is getting ready to be a thing of the past. Uh, you're getting ready to enter into a land uh, that transitions you from just surviving and having just enough to a land that's flowing uh, where you will thrive uh, and have more than enough. Uh, you're getting ready to transition. Uh, you remember going to church as a child or hearing your grandparents talk about when it was on the backside of the tracks and they had to take up three or four offerings just to get the light bill paid and it seems like there was never enough to go around uh, but because we've just kept on keeping on uh, you're getting ready to have those days behind you uh, and when you get to that land uh, where there's more than enough rather than just enough uh, you're going to be tempted uh, to forget about the God uh, that delivered us out of Egypt that led us through the wilderness uh, that brought us into the promise uh, but in his last breaths uh, he declares uh, 
Don't you forget. Don't you forget. Don't you forget that it was the Lord thy God. And all these things are accomplishments that anybody in this building tonight would readily love to have pinned about you in the pages of God's holy word. Does he make some mistakes? Yes. Does he get frustrated and aggravated? If you had to deal with you, you would too. Sometimes he reacts and smites rather than speaks. Yeah. But Moses is the kind of man I'd accept the good brother Dansby and deal with the bad just to have a preacher preach about me like I'm preaching about him tonight. Because Moses, Moses was a leader. Moses was a man of great accomplishments. Moses was a man that had such a relationship with God. And I'd like to just remind you that it wasn't that Moses never got to go in. He just had to wait a little longer than the rest of them. But when Jesus went up on that Mount of Transfiguration... If you don't think God was concerned of the desires of Moses. Moses has accomplishment after accomplishment. A story book is is an understatement concerning his life. But I want to propose to you tonight, if you would allow me to, that the greatest accomplishment of Moses' life, Brother Prado, was not him turning in, hearing the voice of God, taking off his shoes, and falling on holy ground. His greatest accomplishment, in my humble opinion, was not as he stared down Pharaoh's ministers and declared, let the God that is God sort all this out. His staff turning into a serpent and eating up their serpents. And I want to propose to you that his greatest accomplishment was not the plagues. It was not instituting the Passover. It was not parting the Red Sea. It was not standing there with, with the heart of a shepherd pleading with God and saying, you can't do that to them. Remember, they're your people up His greatest accomplishment was not standing there having his hands helped and held by others until Israel had won the victory. It was not in the blessings that would go forth. It was not in the law that he would carry down from that mountain. It's not in the directions to build the serpent on the staff and hold it up for people to look to that would provide restoration of But I want to propose to you uh, that the greatest accomplishment in the life of Moses uh, 
was when it was time for him to hand off the baton. He did not do it with bitterness. He did not do it with an attitude because I wasn't able and allowed to do it. It's never going to get done. But the greatest accomplishment of Moses is that at 120 years old, he still has his vision for the kingdom of God. At 120 years old, when his strength is failing, he still has enough the sight and the vision to say, you know what? God used me to get it to here, and I'm not going to fight the next generation from taking it there. I'm going to help them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to use my hand to softly guide them, not to make mockery of them. Because this isn't about me. This isn't about my leadership. This isn't about who I am. This is about a kingdom whose builder and maker is the Lord. I have felt a tremendous amount of pressure knowing how easily what I know God spoke to my spirit could be misunderstood. Now, I made it clear tonight I'm not preaching to preachers. I'm preaching to all of us as people of God. Because it, it, it's, it's, it's beyond my ability to even comprehend. I can't imagine giving my entire life to something. I, I see wonderful elders, men of God, and then gray-headed saints of God that, that we absolutely without doubt would not be where we're at had it not been for the sacrifice you made. Uh, you sacrificed uh, when we were still chewing gum uh, and going to sleep under a pew. Uh, you got out and you made sure uh, that people were being invited to come to the house of the Lord. Uh, you tithe uh, when it was just nickels and dimes and dollars uh, before there was enough to go around. Uh, I want you to know tonight I'm not preaching at you or against you. Uh, I've come to salute you uh, on behalf of my generation. Uh, thank you for your labor. Uh, thank you for your work. Uh, Thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, Brother Bo, thank you for preaching it to us uh, at youth camps when we was just young people uh, trying to make decisions. Uh, thank you for preaching it and teaching it. Thank every Sunday school teacher today uh, that you did more than just entertain us with cookies and Kool-Aid. Uh, but you got us shaking our finger saying there's only one, 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 uh, one way to God. Uh, baptized in Jesus name and I've got heroes here tonight brother Urshan uh, that I wish I could cause time to stand still for uh, but the truth of the matter is should God tarry uh, every one of us will fulfill Ecclesiastes 1 and 4 uh, as one generation passes uh, and another generation comes uh, to the forefront uh, and I think that it is so commendable of Moses. Joshua probably didn't part his hair the same way Moses parted his hair. Joshua, he probably wore colored shirts. While all the elders... 
Joshua, he probably wasn't near as thrifty. No doubt, Moses saw some things in him, Brother Mayo, that caused him to say, I'm not sure if he has this or not. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure that victory can be accomplished through his style of leadership. But Moses had enough vision and enough understanding that instead of making a decision in the plains and in the valley and in the state of questioning, wondering why I have not more years in front of me than what I do. But he went back up on a mountain where he knew God would connect with him. And Moses forgot about how Joshua was walking and forgot about how Joshua was talking and forgot about how Joshua was promoting praise and worship and forgot about how that Joshua was doing a little bit more reproving and rebuking because he was a young man and didn't have the spirit of a grandfather upon him. And Moses gets to a place where he can see what God wants him to see and he looks at what's in front of him, Brother Booker, and he sees he's got to lead a bit differently because what's in front of them is not the same as what's behind them. They're transitioning from a place where their shoes have to be taken care of so they never wear out to going to the place where there's houses they didn't build, wells they didn't dig, vineyards they didn't plant. They're going to that land that I've been trying to get them to all all my life and God I just thank you that you let me get them to hear I just thank you for the privilege that you let me lead them this far I just thank you that now they're going to drink from wells they didn't dig I'm just happy you gave me water out of the rock they're getting ready to eat from vineyards they didn't plant but I'm just thankful that these last 40 years you sustained us with bread out of heaven God it's not about this stuffing because I'm too tired to go on but I see it I believe it and I embrace it see see if you're not careful we'll let you slip out of here and go before you know some things. So tonight, I just, want to, I just want to share some things with you. I'm not putting anybody in the grave. I'm not putting anybody into retirement. I'm just preaching to you what God's put on my heart. I think it's important that before you go, there's something you should know. And that is that because of what you have stood for, because of what you have taught because of what you had preached because of the prayers you've taught us to pray because of the words of encouragement 
Sister Saint, uh, that you spoke into our ears uh, as teenagers uh, when our parents was wanting to kill us, uh, but you put your arm around us uh, and told us we could pray our way through it uh, because of Sunday school lessons that you taught us uh, and because your life has been a living epistle uh, that is read before all men. Uh, before you go, uh, there's some things you should know. Uh, there's another generation uh, that we believe that here, oh, is Israel, the Lord our God is one. You've raised a generation. We've got the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. We understand that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. Oh, it's not something we have in our head. We've got it in our heart that he was the visible of the invisible. That in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's not because of who we are or where we at. It's because of what you've been that we do not back down. That there's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. There's only one God. He's Father of all, above all, through all, and in all. We're not confused. We know there's just one throne and just one sitting on that throne. We know he's Alpha Omega, beginning end, that which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. There's no backing up in us. And it's not because we're standing on our own two feet. It's because we're standing on what you put in us. Before you go, there's something you should know. That if God should take you into eternity tomorrow... In the Northwest, and from coast to coast, and around this world, we still have a generation of men of God that they believe except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit. Because of you, we're not deceived by lesser light and greater light. We're not deceived by divine flesh. We're not deceived by preterism that the second coming of the Lord has already occurred. I want you to know tonight we've got it. And the reason we have it is because of the sacrifice you've made, the price you've paid, you helping us get it for ourselves. Bishop Wilson, if you can hear me, we've heard you talking enough. God forbid when that generation passes. But there's another generation. We want to see higher education for apostolics taught by apostolics. Brother Bo, thank you for what you preach today. And because of preaching like that, there's some Obed-Edom standing on this platform. There's some brothers and sisters Obed-Edoms sitting in this congregation. 
Bishop, we didn't come up with prayer because uh, we got smart. We've watched you do it for years uh, and said if it works for him, uh, it'll work for us. Uh, in the sunset of your life, uh, don't let deception overcome you uh, and you feel like uh, that you're washed up. You're a has-been. Uh, you're regulated uh, to the yes to no, 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 no. We're where we are because of where you've come from. See, you're, you're surrounded by both preachers and young men and young ladies on the pew. We love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because you taught us and you showed us, Brother Sergeant, that if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When the winds, the temptuous winds of damnable doctrine and compromise and give in to get big and get rich quick, you're looking at a generation. Uh, we're still preaching against Hollywood. Uh, we're still standing uh, against worldly entertainment. Uh, we still stay away from the gods of this world. Uh, we're not interested in who's in the Super Bowl. Uh, we're not worried about who won the finals. Uh, we couldn't care less uh, about who's sleeping with who uh, on the cover of People magazine. Uh, we wouldn't believe that if it wouldn't have been for you. Uh, before you go, uh, there's some things you should know. Uh, we've got it. Uh, We've got it. We've got it. And we're grateful. I laid in my room, prayed and wept and cried and talked in tongues today. And it's not because I'm some great prayer warrior. You know why I did it, Brother Booker? Because I knew that that's what my man of God would be doing. And I've watched him shake that head. And services that were tied and bound up break free. I've listened to him hundreds of times and watched him as many as that, as he would preach controversial things. And yet, he would tell us, I've prayed, and I've got confidence there's going to be a voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk ye therein. I've watched it. I've watched it. You need to understand the reason that God is using us is because Moses... Moses, you can't do it by yourself. You got to put your hands on somebody and you got to see what was given to you transferred to somebody else. Uh, Moses, uh, 
It's not easy when you see them preaching in the places uh, that you used to preach. Uh, It's not easy when you see them spending the money uh, that you used to save. Uh, Moses, uh, it's not easy when now they're the promoters uh, and you're sitting in the congregation uh, feeling like you've been looked over. Uh, But if you can just get on that mount, uh, if you can just keep your vision uh, God uh, will give you a peace uh, because we can't go there had we not gotten here uh, and we would not have gotten here uh, if it wouldn't have been for your word, uh, your prayer, uh, your life, uh, your giving. I'm sure... There's some that are probably misunderstanding what I'm saying. But I've watched with a heavy heart for the last 10 months for the Mayo. I took a, I took a church that it would have took me five lifetimes to build if I could have accomplished it after that. Buildings paid for, money in the bank, doctrine solid in people. A man of God that didn't just preach working and being involved. He worked and was involved and it bled over into the people. And I've I've, I've been left not real sure and not able to articulate because over the last 10 months with Urshan, I've had numerous faithful pillar saints. And they've come to me and they said, We love what's going on, but we feel so useless. Pastor, we don't know what to do. We like it that our Sunday school classes are enlarging. But now, it's not us teaching them. Men who cooked gumbo and fried fish and shrimp and It's good food up here, but it ain't south of (laughs) I-10. And now, they don't understand that we're not serving them because we don't want to use them. We're serving them because we want to honor them. See, I'm, I'm preaching to faithful saints and children of God right now. It's not that we quit liking their desserts, but we thought they fixed thousands of them. Why don't we give them a chance to come and enjoy what it's like to be on the receiving end? 
But let me tell you what can happen if you don't keep your vision. The enemy will start messing with your mind. And you will have brought us to where we're at. And in the sunset of your life, you'll let bitterness start getting a hold of you. Uh, You'll feel like your life has been wasted. Uh, Your work's been in vain. Uh, I've come to tell you some things tonight you need to know before you go. Uh, We're just following your example. Uh, We watched you for years uh, work tirelessly uh, to serve ministers when they came in. Uh, We watched you sell dinners. Uh, We watched you make peanut brittle. Uh, We watched you bake cake. Uh, We watched you show up and clean the church. Uh, Not because you was asked, uh, but just because it was needed to be done. Now, just because we organize it a little bit, instead of it just be a potluck, bring all, it doesn't mean that we think you've done it wrong. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself tonight. It's not because we don't appreciate the sacrifice you've made. It's just because you've put a spirit of excellence in us. It's because you've taught us that we're king's kids and we need to have some class about us. It's not that we're trying to steal your position. It's we're trying to carry on into your promise. We know the promise because you kept pursuing it when everybody else was walking away. Walker, I imagine one of the hardest things Moses ever had to do in his life. Because I'm just a kid and I can't even stand the thought of it being slipped out of my hands. And one of the hardest decisions, but yet the greatest accomplishment, in my opinion, Sister Townley, that Moses ever made and was able to accomplish is when he looked at what was before them. And instead of getting bitter, and instead of trying to tear down, And instead of trying to dig something up, and instead of leveling false accusations, and instead of trying to paint what was ahead in such a bad light, hoping that people would turn around and just stay with what was behind, he said, for whatever reason, God called me to serve my generation. And I have done it well. Now I will not fight. And I will not fuss. But I will just slip off. The Bible said God did it. 
I'll just slip off to where God wants to place me. Because I see that the same God that was with me is with him. He may not say it just like I would say it. But I hear that certain sound and that clear note and The colors may be different. And all the hooping and hollering and noise may get on my nerves. But see, when they see them walls fall down flat, it's not going to be because they had a songbook song and a Bible study. It's going to be because a generation uh, without exception uh, beat a tambourine, uh, blew a horn, uh, and lifted their voice uh, to see the walls uh, come tumbling down. Uh, And so uh, I'm just going to let Joshua be Joshua. He's not bringing a reproach on me. Uh, He's not wrecking that which I've given my life for. Uh, But he's going to stand on the foundation uh, that I and my generation have built. uh, And he's going to step across Jordan. Really? I've got myself in all this trouble and said all I've said up until now. Tell you that if Moses thought it was important for him to hear from God, not many days out of Egypt, if he thought it was important to hear God say, Moses, what's that in your hand? He thought it was important to hear from God when he said, turn around and see that that rock which is Christ has been with you all the time. I'd like to propose to you he never had a more important God moment than when He was having mixed emotions and feelings and questions in his mind. He didn't go talk to his other friends that was in the same boat that he was in. He didn't sit around and reminisce about the good old days and all that this next generation just don't do like we did. But he went to a place where he knew he could hear from God. And though his steps were a little bit slower, and his hair had turned white, and the air chilled him more than it once did, he had enough drive and desire To see it carry on as Brother Hall comes. 
that instead of looking with skewed vision, the greatest testimony to ever be told about Moses was that in that final moment, his eyes were not dimmed. See, the Bible declares where there is no vision, it's not the preacher that perishes. Because he's had to stand all by himself before. But where there is no vision, the people is what perishes. think we know more. We don't think we got a better way. Oh, how we lay us awake at night and weep and cry, wishing that you could see that our success is not an indictment against what you didn't do. It's a testimony for what you've done. See, Moses, you got to remember, you got a presence about you. And if you don't keep your vision clear, you don't have to open your mouth. It's just the way you don't nod your head. And it's the way you just slip out when it's something you don't like or way that it's not that you fight it just listen as, as a generation of young preachers we read you and I'm going to tell you every saint in our assemblies reads you you don't have to fight us they can just see that you don't have your strength behind us Well, you, you've got to understand the time. It doesn't stop for anybody. And the Bible says this about Moses. This is why I know these feelings had to be tormenting and conflicting him. Because the Bible said there was never another. 
like him. Don't misinterpret that. That there was never another one that had the same anointing. The same relationship. Because see, Moses, he used the staff. But for waters to part, Joshua would use the ark. And David, he would use a stone. But Samson would pick up a jawbone. And Gideon would break a lamp. And Peter would just simply pull out some keys. You know why? Because we are layers upon layers upon layers being built with Christ, the apostles' doctrine, the foundation and the cornerstone. Grandma, we don't think that you've lost your ability to show another generation that there's only one, 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 one way to God. It's just that You raised up and taught wilderness babies. You knew how to teach them to make a penny stretch as the day is long. But every generation comes to that place. Where they have to get in a closet of prayer. And they have to say, God, you show me. And then when God shows you, you can't let somebody talk you out of it. But you got to say, okay, God, the only way I can do this is if you just personally take me by the hand. where you want me because I see that what's in front of us is not the same as what's behind us
I hope you, you do not think I've been disrespectful in any way. I hope that you don't just write this off as an arrogant whippersnapper who is just beating the air. Now, you know why I'm preaching this? Because living through it the last 10 months, I can't imagine a saint, Brother Mayo, that's give their life and their finances, and their all. Falling out of the race, just one step from their finish line. Say, oh, you're, you're. No, if you're honest with yourself, pillar saints at summit, It's a turmoil and a struggle. That anybody who's worth their salt will one day have. And you didn't get bitter when preachers done you wrong. And you didn't get bitter when Sunday school teachers corrected your children. And you didn't get bitter when the church grew and someone got your seat. And you didn't get bitter when you showed up for church work day. Nobody recognized you from the pulpit come Sunday. And I plead with you to not let where you're at in life allow something that you've kept from happening for all these years. Maybe it was not my place to say this, and Brother Mayo, you, you forgive me if you think I've abused your pulpit. Pastor, you, 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 you just... Correct me if I've messed up publicly or privately. But season saint, you've come too far. You've built too long to start tearing down now. the best you gave your life building. He may not use the same color brick and he may use a different kind of mortar. And you may not understand and this is not to them, they just happen to be a good illustration tonight. You may not understand the people he's bussing in. But, but before you get bitter, he may be using a different color brick 
he's still preaching the same name. He may wear a different colored shirt, but he's still preaching the same message. And he may do church servings a little bit differently, but he's still desiring to have the same revival. And somewhere, you've got to keep your vision clear enough. It says we must go on. We must enter in. We've surpassed this mountain, Hogan. Innumerable times we've stood around and wept and cried. And oh, there are memories that's forever etched in our hearts. When you'd walk by and put those hands on us. And you'd just be praying. He was praying in the Holy Ghost and the voice of God thundered in our ears. And we have changed. And I don't know if this is proper. I've never done this before. Thank God I've got a good church that loves me and wants to hear me preach because maybe after this that might be where I do all my preaching. <laughs> But tonight, instead of you praying for us, I feel a burden to have you come down here and let us pray over you. And as we pray over you, I have prayed, I have fasted, I have wept, I have cried. Is telling you how serious I take this. It's not for you to pat me on my back and I don't want it to be my reward. Brother Mayo, I slept in the floor last night rather than the comfort of that nice bed and that nice room you bought for us. Because I wanted as we prayed over you that you would feel that same anointing that you have felt when you laid your hands and prayed over us. And it would cause you to say, the devil is a liar. They've got it. And it's going to be all right. They're not praying and praying with strange fire, but they're praying in that same anointing that I've prayed in for the last 50 years. I've come to tell you, we're not walking a different path. We're not serving a different God. We're not trying to walk a different way. We're standing in the way. We're hearing that voice. We're walking in. If it wouldn't be too offensive, I'm going to ask all the people of God 60 and over to come stand around this front. We're not going to put our hands on your head because we're not trying to take authority over nothing in your life. 
what we're going to do. Not just preachers. You wonderful saints wouldn't even, wouldn't even be no preaching or preachers if it wasn't for you wonderful people. Oh, yeah. My generation, this is the heroes of our... younger to just gather around these pillar people right now. Come on, men, help me. And I want you to begin to pray over them like they've prayed over you. See, you don't understand the turmoil that they've been fighting. You don't understand the conflict of their emotions. Come on, walk around in front of them. Don't back up to the wall. Slip under, slip around. As you pray, as you weep, as you cry, as you talk in tongues, there's a strength that's going to come over them. There's a confirmation that they're going to feel. There's an assurance that's going to ring in their soul. 